you have your Bible today, I wish you'd turn with me to 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 13. 1 Peter 1, beginning in 13. The title of my message is Living Differently. Let's look at God's Word. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as is your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. My sermon today has three points. The seminary student asked the preaching professor at the seminary, how many points should a sermon have? And the professor said, at least one. (laughs) Well, I have three today. Point number one, the Apostle Peter writes to us in verse 13 that he knows times can get hard in our lives. But when times are hard, Christians need to pull themselves together mentally. That's step number one, pull themselves together mentally. Sometimes in life, our way is hard, and we give up or we give in. The apostle says, do just the opposite of that. Don't give up, don't give in. Stand up, take a stand. For the Lord, for his church, for the gospel, and on and on. A lot of our battles in life are mental. We worry about this, we worry about that, we worry about this other thing. They just kind of keep rumbling through our minds. We worry about all this stuff. We have anxieties about this and about that, about this other thing, all sorts of things. Things that we cannot, in many cases, control at all. You know, we don't need to worry too much about the weather. We can't control it. We don't need to worry about this thing or that thing because we can't control it. So don't be anxious about it. The Apostle Peter says to get a grip on yourself mentally. People in churches are not exempt from mental strain. The pastor at the church was having a hard month, and it didn't help him any when a lady in the church came up to him after the service and said, I just want you to know that my husband is enjoying your sermons so much more than he did before he lost his mind. I think it's worth noting that when life gets difficult, the Apostle Peter first mentions that we would get our head together, that we would be strong mentally. So often the battles of life are won or lost in our minds. Peter says, be sober, be serious, and realize that the grace of God is with you. It's with you right now, the grace of God is with you, and it will be with you this afternoon and tonight and tomorrow and every day for the rest of your life. 
Because once you give your heart and soul to Christ, His grace resides with you forever. Sometimes we think to ourselves, the radical Muslims are going to kill us. You know, i got to think about my children and my relatives. Uh, Things are terrible. Food prices are going up very quickly. And my prescription drugs have doubled in a month. Things are just terrible. Everybody doesn't love me, so I guess I'll just give up on life. We have to be strong, folks, mentally. We have to kind of get it together. Now, if you think that you cannot excel or be successful in life, then you can't. If you've already lost the battle mentally, uh, then you're not going to recover. Do you remember back a few years ago when Urban Meyer was the coach at Florida and Bobby Bowden was the coach at FSU? These guys were contending each year for the national championship. Both of them won, as you know, uh, the national championship at one time or another. It was a real competitive thing. And they played every minute of every game to the limit of their ability. And they tried to get all their players to do that. Can you imagine either one of them going in to the locker room at halftime and if the first half hadn't gone well to say to all the players, well, we didn't play well in the first half. I guess, I guess we're going to lose. Can you imagine them saying that? They would never, ever have said that. They would have said, we need to fix this and this and this, and you need to do a better job over here, and you need to do a better job over there, and let's pull together, let's give it all we've got, and let's go out there and beat them. You know, they never gave in. And we don't want to give in. We do not want to just sit back and say, well, I guess I lose. So often the major obstacle to spiritual advancement in our lives is that we have a defeatist attitude about things. The Apostle Peter says, get your minds ready for success and for victory in all the challenges of life. Don't fill your minds with vengeance. You know, some people have vengeance at the very front of their mind, and that's basically uh, what directs their life, their vengeance against some person or some group or something. Don't fill your mind, your heart uh, with hatred. Don't fill your mind with the stuff that's on those magazines as you check out at the grocery store. You know, you can go crazy if you read those things. (laughs) And every week they're different. You know, one week uh, this one will be doing that on the little Uh, front page and then the next week they'll be doing something else well who cares you know who cares don't fill your head with that don't fill your mind up with all the soap opera stuff don't fill your mind up with the pity parties that some people want you to join the apostle peter wants the mind of christians to be alert to be collected to be calm to be aware of the promises of God and alert to the purposes of God. That's what we need to do. We need to brace ourselves mentally and to be ready for anything, for sometimes living differently as a Christian 
is a very difficult thing. Sometimes it's hard. And if we've given up before we start, then we're not going to do well. Point number two is in verse 14. Look at that with me. The scripture begins by saying, be obedient to God. Be obedient to God. God is our heavenly father. We are his children. The scripture says we are to be obedient. Marie, age nine, in Shreveport, wrote her pastor a letter. This is what the letter said. Dear pastor, how does God know who the good people are and who the bad people are? Do you tell him or does he just read it in the newspapers? (laughs) Well, God knows who the good people are because they are obedient to him. That's how he knows. They are the ones that are obedient to him. Now, I wouldn't want to have to be obedient to someone whose character I doubted. Now, we don't ever have to doubt the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to ever doubt the leadership of God in our life. We don't ever have to doubt what the Holy Spirit is trying to get through to our very being every day. Point three this morning, verse 15 and 16. It talks about the nature of God being holy. As we have seen God work in history through what the Old Testament says and through what some of the secular historians said, Josephus and others, God was holy during all of those years, all of those generations. He was holy in what he did and how he went about it. We know that he is holy by the way that he has worked in our lives today. The Bible tells us that God is light and in him there is no darkness whatsoever. The Bible tells us that God is love and he is promoting love at every point along the way. At every big juncture of our lives, God is trying to convince us to be more loving to those that are around us, to those that need our help, to those that have fallen by the wayside of life. We need to help pick them up. The requests that God makes of us are never out of keeping with his character. God will never ask you to do anything that is wrong. If you feel like uh, somehow or another you're getting this message in your head that you're supposed to do something wrong, it's not from God. It's from Satan, and we need to stand against that, and we need to stand up and follow how the Lord would lead us in our daily walk. He would never ask us to do anything that is selfish. He wants us to be giving, loving people, but he does ask us to be obedient to him. Obedience for some is a very difficult thing. Some children are not obedient to their parents at all, as you know. Some children do exactly the wrong thing. And when their parents come and ask them about it, they lie. And the parents love them so much that they just believe whatever their children say. My friends, 
We all have a heavenly father. Whether you're 55 or 75 or 95. And there is no point in lying to him. Because he knows better. He knows the truth. In 1949, there was an English writer who used the pen name George Orwell who published a shocking novel that described the terror and threat of a totalitarian state, a time when the government would harness the powers of advanced technology to control every aspect of all of our lives, control everything that we do. Orwell suggested that progress in the field of electronics would become so sophisticated that there would be devices that would see everything that we do and that would hear everything that we say. He described a society that was based on fear, and distrust, and alienation, and loyalty to the government because of the pressures that the government would exert. It sounds a little bit like today, doesn't it? I don't know if you were following along there, but... Our God is not like the electronic monster in Orwell's 1984. God knows all that we do, and all that we think, but it is not to keep us enslaved. It is rather to liberate us. God knows when your heart is right with him. And until it is, he's going to be kind of prodding us along life's way to kind of get it right. He sends people to talk to us. He sends perhaps family members to say things to us. He says church signs have messages for us as we drive by. He will continue to try and get us to change the direction of our life until it's in line with his will for us. It's ridiculous to lie to God. We can lie to family and friends and we can lie to ourselves. And sometimes we can get by with it. But when we try and lie to God, it is an exercise in futility. God knows all about us, and he loves us, and he wants what's very best for us at every juncture of life. What do you suppose today is best for you? Is it best for you to be obedient to yourself or to God? Let me tell you something. God loves you more than you do. So you might as well uh, turn your lives over to him because you would come out a lot better if you did. Verse 14 also says, Do not allow your lives to be shaped by the desires that you had when you were still ignorant. Now this is talking about spiritual ignorance. Before you become a Christian, your life is shaped by a blend of ignorance and indulgence. Ignorance of God, ignorance of his ways, and indulgency in fulfilling our unholy 
desires. Many are sincere in thinking that satisfaction comes when we make ourselves happy. The problem with that reasoning is that it is just not right. It's not valid. Indulgence will never fill the void in the hearts of men. It's only as we give ourselves to Jesus can we find the happiness that Christ can offer us. The pages of time are filled with the names of men who have had everything and were miserable throughout their lives. I was reading an article recently about Woody Allen. You know who Woody Allen is. He's that weird-looking guy. (laughs) He has never cared about the people that he hurt along life's way. There have been a lot of articles written. He just doesn't care. You know, if he hurt somebody, so what? He doesn't care. He has never cared about the consequences of his actions. He has just done in life what pleased him at the time. You know, what made him feel good in that moment. If it made him feel good, he would do more of it. Didn't didn't matter what happened to anybody around him. He'd just go ahead and do it. He has a lot of money and a lot of fame, and he is miserable and he is depressed. Likewise, this earth has seen millions and millions of people that had nothing but Jesus and have known real joy every day of their lives. What's best for you today? Things might be well superficially. You might not need a single thing superficially. But what about where you really live? Behind the makeup or the work clothes or the suit or the nightgown? What about that? What about the deep needs that are there? We are not to be afraid of God in the sense that our knees would be knocking. We're not to be afraid in the sense that God is out there hiding behind some tree or some wall and he's going to jump out all of a sudden and get us. That's not what God wants and that's not a true biblical view. He is not going to do that. But I do think we ought to fear if we are not being obedient to him because he certainly wants us to be and if we are, He blesses us in an unbelievable way. God wants us living differently. Not as our secular society, but living differently. Living with a motive that is godly, that is helpful, that is sharing, that is loving. God wants to see us commit ourselves to his will in trustful obedience. I don't think God is very interested in our small talk. I don't think he's interested in that at all. I don't think he's interested in the position that you hold in your company. I don't think he's interested in how much you make or how much you have or how many people along the way you have impressed. 
I don't think the Lord is really interested in any of that. But he is very interested in whether or not you have given your heart to him. He is very, very interested in that. He's interested in whether or not you are standing for him. You know, in almost every day of our lives, there's a situation that comes up around us where we have an opportunity to just be quiet or to stand up for the Lord, to give a testimony, to give a sign that we are led by another, not by one of these uh, crazy groups that travels around the world, but by the Lord God Almighty himself. If day by day... You are one that could be called that most noble name Christian. Then you are in the place, you're in the position that the Lord wants you to be. God wants you to live different than the ordinary, common, secular person of our day. How many times do we find ourselves in trying circumstances? I walked around before church today, and I I tried to get to everybody, but I just couldn't get to everybody. But I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people are going through a hard time. You know, some people have illnesses that that just won't seem to go away. And the pain can be excruciating. Some people are going through things financially, relationally, family-wise, that are very, very difficult. We have problems with our neighbors. We have problems that the drugs that the doctor ordered are not helping us at all. We have trouble that our dog is sick. We worry day and night about crazy people trying to kill us. Do we worry much about whether or not it's time to put our mother, our father, our brother, our sister in a nursing home? We give our granddaughter an unlimited spending account for her wedding, and she exceeds it. (laughs) How often do we feel no one really cares about us? What if our children get into trouble? What do we do? We worry about what happens to the elderly who do not have sufficient pensions. What about some of our elderly friends who suffer from boredom and the routineness of old age? If we are living differently, we can help in every one of those situations. We can help. We can be the person that makes the big difference in that other person's life. I heard a great little story this week I want to tell you. A friend of mine uh, lives right beside Stone Mountain in Georgia. He goes to a church called Smoke Rise Baptist Church, great church. He said a very interesting thing happened in their church last week. There was a little corner store right next to their church. It was kind of a mom-and-pop organization. And on Saturday night, uh, a guy came in to rob the store. He took all the money, he beat the the pop up and left him on the floor bleeding and then went out and got in his car and drove away. Well, the 
some of the folks in the church heard about it, and they told the pastor about it. And that Sunday morning, the pastor did a, a, an unusual thing. He said, you know, we, we talk about being Christian, and we talk about caring for others, we talk about reaching out and doing this and doing that. And then he told the story of what had happened to the guy right next door to them, right next door to the church. And he said, after church today, why don't you go by there and buy some gas? Why don't you go by there and buy some of his groceries? And let's do that for a while and see if we can help him at a very difficult time in his life. And that Sunday after church, the line was about 15 to get to a gas pump. And the owner, who, who wasn't a Christian person, realized right away by the people that came in and acted concerned about him and were concerned about him and said they were praying for him. And so finally he asked him, he said, where are all these people coming from? And the person told him, he said, they're coming from our church. We heard about what happened to you, and we wanted to stand with you. Now, folks, that is a great witness. That is a great, great witness. I hope that we as believers can do something like that in the situations that I have just mentioned that relate to you and your life, and your friends, and your family. In hard times, Christians must first pull themselves together mentally. Secondly, we must be obedient to God. And thirdly, we must realize that the nature of God is to be holy, and that he wants us to be holy as well. God, help us to do those things that we've talked about today in order that we can reach out to a world that desperately needs a loving, caring hand. Today, if you're in the house and you've never trusted, believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I hope that today would be the day. Today would be it. Today would be the greatest day in your life, your whole life. Because you would come and say, Lord, please forgive me of the sin of my life and let me put my faith and trust in Christ as my Savior. Today, if you're visiting with us, maybe you've been visiting for a while. If the Lord leads you, today would be a great day for you to come and and join with us, stand with us, help us as we're trying to reach out to a dark world that desperately needs the light of Jesus. Help us. In doing that, come and join with us and serve with us as we try and touch our society for Jesus. I'm going to be standing down here at the front. If the Lord leads you in any way, just slip out, slip forward, and come and take a stand for Him. Let's stand together as we.